if we go back to what we were speaking about a few weeks ago, we were talking about the gifts and being born again. Jesus spoke about being born again. And when you're born again, you begin to see through your spiritual eye. And hear through your spirit, which is like weird to, to someone who doesn't understand this um, born again thing. Like uh, John 3, I think it is, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about being born again. And, and therefore, we have to be considerate that not everyone is um, know what we're talking about when we say we're hearing or seeing. So as I was praying in the kitchen this morning, I had a quick vision as we were walking around of myself kneeling on the carpet. And I realized immediately that God did not want us to walk around uh, in prayer this morning, but he wanted us to like get on our knees before him. So I went to the carpet. I didn't tell Kim anything. I just went to the carpet and knelt. And then she followed suit uh, like within seconds. And then she was like, I got that too. Right. So this is um, this is God communicating. And as, so as I got on my knees, uh, the Lord um, spoke to me in my spirit. See, this can be a, a bit foreign, but yeah, I know Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And we're very practical. We're not um, taking our intellect into it. We just know that we just know that these things happen. Right. And that everyone can experience these things as they begin to um, learn and grow the things of God. So the Lord gave me a word this morning and it's for the women. For only, this, is, this word is concerning the women that are on here, that are here in this word. And it's, um, this scripture is in um, the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. And it's verse, uh, ver um, chapter two, verses one. It's a, and it, said, it says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. And verses two, it says, as the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. So is my love among the daughters. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And this is what the Lord wanted me to um, especially speak to the women this morning. How much he treasures you, uh, how much he loves you. And, uh, you, you know, just receive that love that comes from your father, your heavenly father, your creator this morning. Mm -hmm. That irregardless, irregardless of where you are, irregardless of what's happening in your life, irregardless of which other voice is actually speaking to you, just know this is, unless they're speaking words over you consistent with what is written in the scripture, just know it's not from God. God is a God of, of love and he wants to uh, you to receive that love one more time the revelation of how much he loves his creation and this is especially for the ladies awesome right. so praise god for that and uh you know we're gonna it's christmas and um normally we take a break from work and uh and so forth but quite frankly i feel like just keep on marching down the road when it comes down to the things of god god has been pouring us pouring up pouring out on us so much and I feel like just continue to um, soak it up, continue to learn and to grow and to march down the road. And I wanted to um, speak about a certain topic this morning really quick yeah, um, about the anointing, the anointing. I was talking to someone a couple of months ago and I mentioned the word anointing and he goes, what is that? What is that? And, you know, as similar to what I was saying earlier, sometimes, you know, when you become a, a brand new Christian and you go to church, and you begin to hear different um, words and different phrases, different words 
and different phrases. Whether you're a visiting church or you're an avid churchgoer, you begin to hear expressions that, you know, they don't necessarily resonate with you in terms of understanding. And a lot of it eludes you. And sometimes there's not even a breakdown. There's no communication that will grant you revelation and understanding in regards to this. And, you know, quite frankly, for myself, that was like what happened for a long time. Because I don't have, um, like I said before, I'm not from a family um, where there is generational pastors and preachers. As far as I know, I'm the only guy that um, out of this lineage that God has ever called in a ministerial capacity. I'm the only person. So even though I, they, they, we did have, have believers, we went to church, but you would not say that we were um, studious in terms of the scriptures and the revelations and the understanding and so forth like that. So I did go to church and I, and I was hearing a lot of things. And it was not um, revealed to me. Many of these things were not revealed to me, even though I was there. So when, when you talk about healing, it's a concept that I know that God does it. But, you know, the revelation of it, that if something is actually happening in my body, that God will actually heal me. You know, I um, thank God I wasn't I didn't get sick too many times, but I believe that the first thing that I would have done uh, back then was to uh, head to the doctors if I was really ill, which is which is not necessarily a bad thing. But to, to think that God um, would take care of me was not my first thought. So what we have been doing, and I'm saying this to say that what we have been doing over the last few months is, you know, many of these terminologies that we have been hearing and wondering um, about, but they're not broken down to us. We have been going through those things in a systematic way. We have been going through them because, and, and understanding that the person that is on the podium, that which is the pastor or the preacher, it, I mean, do we know why the pastor and the preacher is actually there? The, the, the only reason why the pastor, preachers, or anointed men are there is to nourish the flock. That's it. There is an anointing inside of a pastor or any preacher for his salvation. That is the spirit of God in them. Okay? That is the Holy Spirit. That means that person, regardless of they led 2 million, 10 million people to the Lord, they still have to walk out their own salvation. But then there is a, an empowerment on them that God has put there, a special grace that they can uh, heal the sick, uh, raise the dead, that they can um, speak under the anointing of the spirit and see people come to salvation. But that has nothing to do with the, um, with the person. It has to do with what God wants to express to the people who is in front of the person. And in many cases, what we have seen is the opposite. We have seen where men has actually taken the focus. But if you go read, and I'm gonna, we're gonna touch on that scripture. If you go read in the book of Ephesians, it'll tell you this very, very clearly. That the fivefold ministry, like we call it, the fivefold ministry min mentioned in the book of Ephesians, the pastor, the teacher, the apostle, the prophet. Those offices are only there to nurture the individuals that are sitting in the pews for the work of ministry. So, so if it was not for the people in the pews, there would be no pastor or preacher. So we want to um, begin to um, break down those things. Uh, of God giving us understanding for our own lives and then now by the Holy Spirit breaking down in other people's lives so that they can begin to function. Can you imagine? And God taught me one thing very quickly. All truths are parallel. All truths are parallel. And you need knowledge. You know, when I say all truths are parallel, the same technique that you would use 
in the natural world, to increase in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in any job or anything that you're undertaking, it's the same thing that you would do in spiritual things. So look at this now. For example, when you get a job, you go in and you do an interview, you got a job, and they, you know, you did interview and they thought really well of you and they invited you to have that position on a three-month basis, temporary in nature. They're not 100% convinced that you're capable of doing this. And then, and so in, within that three months period, what they're going to do is assign uh, one person or maybe individuals to um, begin to teach you on the role that you're going to be doing. And they give you time. They don't, um, on day one, put you in front of the computer and everybody disappears and say, you know, that which we have um, hired you here to do, um, just go ahead and do it. Even if you have experience in that field, but they might do things a bit different in that company. You have to go adjust. adjust. So we make accommodation for um, all of those type of things. And then because we want that person to be successful in that role. Now, look at this now. So they, with that person come and there's a language barrier in terms of not the English language, but there's a, a language that is spoken in the office that they're not familiar with. There are terminologies that are um, only in regards to what is being undertaken in that place of business. And within that, um, you're not going to learn everything in um, three months, but they, you, they will learn, know enough about you, whether or not you're, gonna, you're fit for the job and you will, you know, get better at it as time progresses. And it's the same thing when it comes on to spiritual things. It's the same things. So what happens is that, you know, the, the, when you're beginning to hear those words that are being spoken from scripture and you're hearing other people having testimonies of what God is actually doing in their lives, and you can, in, in gaining the relevant knowledge and faith and confidence in God, you can begin to see those same result, results. But the Bible said that my people perish for lack of knowledge. So just because you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and even though he died for your healing on that cross, even though, or for a person that is not even in Christ, they have not even received salvation, even though Jesus Christ died on that cross, that they might have eternal life with the Father forever, if they don't come into that knowledge or they don't open their hearts to, to it, then it is of no benefit to them. And this is why we must begin to know, pursue the knowledge that is written in scripture by the help of the Holy Spirit. Again, it is not something that you're able to um, unpack with your intellect. That might be so in the case of the job situation, but it, it won't be like that with um, spiritual things. Yes, your mind will actually cooperate with what God is actually revealing in his word, but that is as your mind is renewed. So that's why we've been going through these principles. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And it, in, similarly, look at how close borders um, U.S. and Canada is, for example. And we coexist over the years really well with uh, the U United States of America, Canada in a general sense. And that's because they hold certain values to be um, uh, in similitude, respect, honor, love, and so forth like that. We know that, you know, you can't just go over the border anyhow. There are certain guidelines on how you can enter the United States of America. There are certain guidelines on how you can enter Canada. Certain, they will check you physically. They will check your records and so forth like that. And Jesus is saying, and we're talking about an earthly country, earthly countries that has standards. Now, Jesus was saying that my kingdom is not of this world. And if his kingdom is of 
perfect kingdom, then if we become uh, subjects of that kingdom, though now you see how we're totally brand new. We have to change our, everything about us has to be changed. We have to begin to understand what is that kingdom like? What is the thought process of that kingdom? And this is why the scripture is there. And this is why the Holy Spirit is there so that we can be renewed in our minds. And, the, and then also understand the kingdom that Jesus Christ spoke about. Not in a random way also, but in a very specific way because you could not operate in your work in a random way, general way. No, they need, they need a specific understanding. They need things that are being done. Look at the, the um, position that an accountant holds. And if you miss one zero, you know, it could, be the, it could be the difference between a million dollars and a hundred thousand dollars. Do you know that somebody could lose their job for that, right? So when it comes down to spiritual things, how, which are way more valuable than dollars and cents. In this world that we live in, right? Every company that operates, they are counting the, the bottom line, the dollar value. And if you go there, for example, as an accountant and you're not, conducting their dollars and cents properly, pretty soon, you know, some kind of conversation has to be has to happen. How do we get this fixed? But, you know, that's just for dollars and cents. And we value that a lot. But then when it comes down to the business and the reason why Jesus Christ came on this earth, it's way bigger than money. It has to do with the souls of men. The currency of heaven has to do with the souls of men. The eternal salvation of where is it when a person dies? Where is it that they reside eternally? You see why we have to be um, in a spiritual state for this to have any type of um, importance for us to walk around with the consciousness that the people that you're walking by in the malls, in the supermarkets, the people that you're connecting with in your workplaces, that they're going to live forever. They were not created to die. They might die physically, but their spirit is going to live on forever. Their soul is going to live on forever. And that's what this ministry that we're in, this being called by God, everyone is called by God that, is, that has received Jesus Christ, not just the, um, the fivefold ministry. So we are breaking by the grace of God. We're breaking down, we're breaking down, especially look at this now. Let's have this conversation and then I'll move into the message in another couple of minutes. Look at this, the coronavirus. And it's when you read the news and you see, oh, like, for example, you look in the U.S. and you say, oh, like over a million people died. You know, when you read the news, the impact of that is felt, but not really felt. Because can you imagine a million people, a million like dead bodies? How horrific. And many of them died in fear. Many of them, you know, they died without crimes. How horrible that is. And even some of us are still wondering, what protection do we have against the coronavirus? Is God going to protect me? And this is why we want to be, you know, because, yeah, God, God has made provision for the protection of his people. But if you don't believe that, if you're not convinced about that, if you don't have the revelation of that, then you, you're going to be wondering whether or not he is. And it, it was not designed by God to be like that. That's why I said my people perish for lack of knowledge. So what? What this is? 
what we're going through, this is the knowledge that you need to understand that when you give your life to Jesus Christ and begin to um, live by his principles, that you have divine perfection, which is why we've been saying that the Lord gave to the body, uh, Psalms 91, at the beginning of the coronavirus, many prophets, Psalms 91, God gave to the body of, um, of Christ and said, decree this psalm over your family, which we did, over your children. And to do the communion at home, the Lord instructed us to do the communion at home. And we've been trusting God for divine protection. So because God had spoken to us, like I always say, about doing many things with our lives. And I'm sure he has the same plan for your lives. So he can't, it, it is not within God's um, uh, plan for your life that you would die before your time. So if it does happen, something else had to have happened that interjected, or you did not um believe god's word in regards to in regards to divine protection just like oh someone can say oh this jesus i do not believe that he actually came into the world and died for our sins and in that case that person will not have eternal salvation so it's the same thing for every other area of your life and as you begin to go through you know there are certain things that are not, uh, um, not as important as others but the ones that are really important we're trying we're going through them week by week individual so people can have gain understanding and in particular we're talking this week about the anointing the anointing so what is the anointing the anointing is the empowerment from god to do what he has called you to do by the holy spirit the empowerment from god to do what he has called you to do by the holy holy spirit the ability to do the ability to do now in a look for example, and I always use myself as an example. Like I was saying, I was I was working full time in sales, and I was um, doing well with my uh, real estate investing. And then God um, began to speak to me about being a, a preacher. And the first thing I thought was, I, I well, my I have confidence in God, so I didn't say I can't. I said, I guess the Lord is going to help me with that because this is not my area, right? And and so no, the ability to like. Um, pray, speak to people, or undertake any part of uh, what God has called us to do is not something that I'm doing by my intellect. Do I, do I read the Bible? Yes. That is, that is, there's an aspect of it that is um, given to um, us to do. But the ability, the empowerment, it comes from the Holy Spirit. And in, in, in sometimes in very tangible ways, like I'm ministering before a person, and uh, God is actually showing me on, uh, or speaking to me on the inside about what the person is going through and what I should pray or what I should say to that person. So that, that's not my ability. This is, this is God doing it. So that, what's, that is what the anointing is. The empowerment that comes from heaven, from God, on an individual to undertake what God has called that person to do. And that's not necessarily ministry, ministerial either. It has to do with whatever, whichever place in society that God has placed you, whether he called you um, into to be a teacher or whether he called you to work in a factory or a fireman or a police officer, doesn't matter. That is your ministry. And you're going to be anointed up, uh, accordingly with physical gifts, one, and also with spiritual gifts to minister in that environment. So let's read uh first scripture I want to look at is Proverbs 18 and verses 16. Proverbs 18 and verses 16. 
I'm reading from the King James Version. I, I, I try to um, read from other versions. You know, they say when you want to kick demons out of people, you better be reading from the King James Version. I hope you guys know that demons are real. Eh? I've actually had contact with those. Yeah, so yeah, you, you, I, I like to, I'm sticking with the King James Version for now. A little bit um, archaic, but I think you can do the job. Say, a man's gift, make it room for him and bring it him before great men. A man's gift, make it room for him and bring it him before great men. And yes, we know your um, your um, natural gifts can actually make room for you and bring you before great men. But we are not focusing on that. Because obviously, if you're a great um, singer, for example, then that could, that voice of yours could be uh, enable you to be ushered before a king or a president. You could be performing for them. But we're looking at this from a spiritual sense. The anointing that is in you from God will make room for you on this earth. So think about it from a financial sense. If you go to um, a bank and you're looking for a mortgage and you don't meet certain criteria, they might tell you which areas you're lacking in and they might reject you from that area. Just intellectually speaking, based on numbers and so forth. But there can be another factor, which is the anointing of God. So if God says to you now, hello, because God did this with me, I'm using this one. I'm very strong about this one. If God says to you now, go to this particular bank, they will give it to you. Let me tell you something. Get, put your clothes on and go. That bank is done. The bank manager has no place in it now. They are non-existent. And I give you an example in scripture. Really quick. Pharaoh. God had sent Moses to um, Pharaoh and said, tell that um, fox to let my people go. And, you know, look at what God did. God manipulated Pharaoh's mind, if I can use that word. He manipulated Pharaoh's mind so that Pharaoh would not say yes to his request. That Pharaoh would say no. On multiple occasions he did, if you go read it in scripture, over and over. And the reason why the Lord did this was because he didn't want Pharaoh to say yes, because that would have been too easy. He was going to do it so he can manifest his power, because Pharaoh was keeping his people in bondage unfairly. So God said, I'm going to bring them out, but with a mighty outstretched arm, with power. I'm going to manifest. And he did. And we see the signs, wonders, and miracles that happen. And that's what happens when you go to the bank, when God sends you to the bank. God will manipulate. I'm just using this word. He will... Because the Bible said that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So the bank manager, just, just so you know, he, he's paying rent and the bank is paying rent. And everybody else on the earth, they're paying rent. No own anything. God owns everything. And that's why one day he's going to return and fold the whole thing like an envelope. That's just not, not going to exist anymore. But then in the sense of... Uh, um, a person who, who doesn't have this life of Christ inside of them, they think that they're held bond, bond in bondage by the system of, um, that is created by the kingdom of darkness. And that limits them. So they, if the bank says no, then they go, oh, well, I guess it's not going to happen. But we Christians, we don't say no until God says no. So if God says yes, then everything has to move out of your way. So a man's gift will make uh, room for him and bring him before great men. Acts 10, verses um, 38. Acts 10 and verses 38. 
It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How God anointed Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth to, to heal, to raise the dead, and so forth. And that's what the anointing will do in our lives. We want this. You see why we need this empowerment, spiritual empowerment that comes from God. It need not be something that we hear others speak of. Because with what is actually happening in the world right now, we are going to need this in our own personal life. This revelation of it, the understanding of it, and the belief that there is going to be a performance of that power in the different situations that are actually happening in your life. You need something. If, you're, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then you have to come into this um, understanding, this revelation, and this position in him. There's a scripture that says that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It's talking about no, from a spiritual place, the position that you have. It says above principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And the Bible said that we shall trample and serpents and scorpions and over every power of the enemy. But if you are a Christian in church and you're on that revelation and this position is not, has not, has not been revealed to you, then you're not praying certain prayers then you're not decreeing certain things and you're seeing that you, that things in your life are not consistent with god's will but then as you begin to get empowered by these things and begin to um believe them and begin to speak them you will understand that the attacks that you are under that you can overcome the enemy let's go to uh isaiah 28 9 and 10 It says, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand, understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. We spoke earlier about the foundational things of the Christian faith. And then we talk about going on to um, those levels that are higher than the foundational levels to perfection. And imperfection, when you begin to see sicknesses in your body or in your family, you know you have the authority to speak against it. Anything that is not consistent with the word of God. This morning, I actually woke up with a, with a flu. I was like shoveling the snow for fun over the weekend. Just like, the, just I was like, okay, I'm going to eat a lot, so I'm going to exercise a lot. So I was shoveling the snow just for that. Eh? And I might have uh, spent a little bit too much time out there. So I woke up this morning with like um, all of this um, flu-like symptoms. And I'm like, oh, oh this is going to be interesting. But I'm thinking, oh, God's going to help me anyways. Mm -hmm. So when we went to prayer, uh, uh, you know, Kim, I think the Holy Spirit put it on Kim to pray for me. She prayed for me. And then I felt like taking the communion. And I did. And guess what? Mm -hmm. Left. Left. Mm -hmm. I was like, um, even my head, I was like, this is a head cold. And usually they take a while to go away. It left. All I did, yeah, praise the Lord. All I did was say, you know, somehow Jesus is going to help me. I didn't use wisdom like I should in um, shoveling all of those things, but he's so merciful and he helped me out. So you see that? 
So this thing actually worked, and it's the results that we're after, right? It says, look at verses 10 now, interesting. For precept must be upon, be upon precept, precept upon precept, twice. It's written twice. Look, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Do you see how God is saying that we should grow in wisdom and knowledge? and how we should become students of Jesus Christ, like when he called the disciples. And for three years, he taught them. You know, some of the people turn back when he begins to tell them about the cost, but the disciples were consistent. So they learned here a little, there a little, precept by precept, line by line. They learned and they were studious. And that's why he prepared them, Jesus, prepared them for the Holy Spirit that was going to empower them later on. And we saw what happened when the Holy Spirit came in the upper room and how they went and did the very same things that Jesus Christ did. How Peter walked by that lame man who was asking for money and he said, money I have not, but such as I have, I give unto thee. The anointing that was on him. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And then go get your boat and, and, and start fishing and make your own money. That is what the anointing will do. But the anointing, anointing, the power of God, you know how it works? It's combined with knowledge, knowledge, earthly knowledge, not earthly knowledge, but understanding that comes through the word of God. And if you don't have that scriptural understanding, the anointing, it can't work in your life. And it must be kind of a detailed type of uh, understanding. Now, let's go look at this. So you can be anointed, meaning you can have the anointing. You can be empowered by God. And yet still, it can maybe it's not being a blessing. So there's a, a way to get the anointing. Let's go to Matthew 7. And we'll read from 15 to 23. I'm stating this to say, this is why we're going through the lessons. So this here that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 7 will never be said of us. Matthew 7, 15 to 23. said, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. False prophets, right? You shall know them by their fruits. He said, do, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. Good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. That means he's basically saying that for example, God called me to be a minister. No, I am going to produce something. And I can, um, I can take these principles that are taught in scripture and I can learn them and I can apply them accordingly and see certain results that are considered to be good fruits, good fruit. Or I can, on the other hand, take this empowerment and um, do the opposite. I can take it and do something that is um, profitable to me. Right, something to maybe get, make myself famous or make myself rich. And we, we don't want, we want to stay away from that type of mentality. Say, therefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. Verses 20. But look at um, 
21, he said, not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So we have to do the will of God with this ability that he has given us. Say, look at 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So people, I could be here casting out demons because I have an anointing. And doing such work that it would seem that I'm a man of God. But it's not um, giving glory to God. It's not, a, not under the um, lordship of the Holy Spirit. It's just me promoting my own thing. So I'm saying, yes, we need this anointing, but we need to be the people that God wants us to be. Because we don't want to be rejected after we do all of these things by the Lord. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. So we need to, we need to grow before we get anointed. We need to, un just like Jesus taught the, the, the disciples for um, three years before they were anointed. It's the same process we are actually going through of doing an understudy of the Bible and the main scriptures that are associating with the way that we should conduct our life in obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 verses 5, it says, Philippians 2 and verses 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So if you have the mind of Christ, and he gives you the ability, the empowerment. What do you think you will go out and produce? Good fruit. Everything that you do will be subject to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, you can have the, in a general sense, you can have the anointing on you. Okay. And you can actually pray for someone and, and that person gets healed. But it was never God's intention for that person to get healed. But because he gave you the ability and you um, just prayed and the person got healed. And I'll tell you what, you know, God is, is it that God wants to heal people? Yes. But, you know, there's a scripture that says you pray and you receive not because you ask amiss. You ask amiss that you might spend it on your loss. And people think that it's only in the sense of money. It's not only the sense of money. So if a person sometimes is um, being afflicted in their body and God is doing something inside of them to, to save their soul, and then an anointed man go there and, and heal that person. You know, they would not have learned the lesson that was consistent with their salvation. They wouldn't have learned that lesson. And that's why you have to subject the anointing to the spirit. You have to subject the gift that God has given you to him. And then let the Holy Spirit lead you. Because Jesus could have healed that layman. The Bible says he was there for a year in that state and jesus walked by him day and there are other people that the lord healed but the lord did not heal him the lord left him for peter to heal after he was in heaven after he rose from the dead and he was no longer here and it's to that degree that we must mature in christ in wisdom is in knowledge spiritual understanding and then now we're anointed with power and we can see that the change and the transformation and the souls saved all right, let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. 
I'm doing good time. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And we'll look at that scripture having to do with the five, fivefold ministry. It says, says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Look at number 12. For the perfecting of the saints. He didn't give the anointing that the pastor and the apostle would be a superstar. No, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, to equip the body, to go back into their different areas and preach Jesus and heal the sick, raise the, the dead. That means a doctor who is now saved will have um, influence with other doctors and he will go back in that place and preach Jesus to them. For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I'm saying to, to go back to what I said in the initial, that it was not designed by God, that, if, that one or a few people would um, have these understanding, these revelations, and function in them. And in a general sense, they feed a little bit to the congregation week by week. And we just sit there a lot of the time and don't come into these deep insights, these deep insights and revelation that God wants us to have and positioning in, in him and knowing that he's protecting us. It's not a guess that God is protecting us from this coronavirus. It's not a guess. No, it's not a guess. Since March, truly, when this thing begins, become evident i go you know what i'm gonna trust god through this let me tell you i've not moved one iota none i've never doubt by the grace of god not by my um my own strength but by the grace of god the faith that he has given me to believe his word i have held on to that very solid and i've gone outside and walked tall and knowing that the only thing that can happen to me is what god allows to happen to me what he allows to happen to me no Talking about the um, the anointing, let's look at a couple examples of men in scripture that were anointed. Let's go to 1 Samuel uh, 10, and we'll read 1 to 7. 1 Samuel 10. We'll read 1, 1 to 7. We know that Saul was the children of Israel they actually did something that was not considered too smart. Uh, actually, there was no element of wisdom inside, in, with that request. They basically were being led by God by person. And they actually begin to look at the people around them and seeing that they, were, they had their own kings. And they requested of Samuel that, they, that he go to God and ask God to set up a king to rule over them. Imagine that. That is, not, that is not wisdom right there at all. And then God, in his wisdom and his mercy, you know what he did? He told them what kind of king was going to rule over them if they allowed this to happen. And, and, that, and he told them the results of what was, I don't get it. You know, sometimes I read the Bible and I shake my head. My God, I don't know how somebody would rather a man lead them. Because the Bible tells you, oh, merciful God is. Oh, loving God is. Oh, tender God is. Oh, forgiving God is. And they would rather, sometimes we can have brutal men. We have seen the dictators on this earth that has bring 
brought pain to people. And they chose a person over God. So God gave them as they requested. And there was a guy by the name of Saul. And it says here, God told Samuel the prophet to go and anoint Saul as king over Israel. And if you read 1 Samuel 10 and verses 1, it says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord had anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? God has anointed you to be king over Israel. When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by racial sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at, Zila, at Zelza. And they will say unto thee, the, ass, the asses which thou wentest to seek are found. And lo, thy father had left the care of the asses and, and saw it for you, saying, what shall I do for my son? So basically, this guy had um, a couple of his dad's um, um, animals straight away and he went to look for them. And, they, and, this is, and, and he went to see the prophet Samuel. And it's, this is the prophet telling him that don't worry about the asses that you were looking for. They have been found. Right? Verses 3, then shall they go on forward. He's beginning to tell him what is going to happen to him um, as he leaves from after he was anointed to be king over Israel. He's beginning to tell him what's going to happen after he leaves. Prophetically, God um, had already spoken to the prophet and let him know what was going to happen to this Saul, know that he was anointed. So this anointing you see this is something else that is begin, being undertaken that he himself has no understanding of it's spiritual in nature and he has been chosen to fulfill an office that he had no ambition to fulfill and he actually ran away from it <clears throat> i'm saying this and we're talking about the anointing right he says then shall thou go on forward from thence and thou shalt come to the plain of tabor and they shall meet the three men going up to god to bethel one carrying three kids and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. So he's telling them all of these things are going to happen to you. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass when thou art come hither to the city, when he get to this city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with psaltery and a tabard, musical instruments they were coming down with, and a pipe, and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. <clears throat> and look what it says in verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. The anointing can turn you into another person. So this guy was not cultured to be a king. And God was going to put an anointing on him, an empowerment, an endowment on him to function a lay person brought to be a king. So this is the power of the anointing. And verse 7 says, and, and, and let it be, it be when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasions see, occasion serve thee. <clears throat> For God is with thee. <clears throat> Excuse me. So now he's basically going to have the capacity to be king over God's people, Israel, based on the call of election, the calling of God. And he was going to have that, um, all of what it undertook to be a king, to make decisions having to do with the life and death of people. 
which it was not um, a position that he functioned with in before. <clears throat> so that's what the anointing will do. But now, if you go on and read, I'm not going to go into all of Saul's story, <clears throat> but if you go and read in um, Samuel, what happened in Saul's life and how he actually disobeyed God and how he was actually replaced by David, a man who had a heart after God, the Bible says. Then we want to see the type of person that we don't want to be. Saul began to do things his own way after a while, began to be disobedient to God. And this is why we don't see as much of the power of God on the planet as we should, because people are not prepared for it. They have not been students of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to be a student. You have to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn these principles before they become activated <clears throat> in your life. So how to be always it that always it that you get anointed. Now that you um begin to understand it. It's like someone came and um they told you how they are doing these businesses. If you go online and you go on YouTube, for example, they're suggesting to you uh or open an online business. And you're thinking maybe that's a good idea, right? Well, this is spiritual in context, and this is actually meant for you and I. So how do we get it? How do we get the anointing? Like I said, become a student, number one, right? Now, let's look at a, a, a depiction of this in Scripture. Let's go to 1 Kings 19, and we'll read from 16 to 21. 1 Kings 19, and we'll read from 16 to 21. This is another person, another lay person that is being anointed. Look at it says here. <clears throat> and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. So God is actually sending the prophet Elijah on this occasion to go and anoint a few people. And he says, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, uh, Abel Mehola, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. That in, in He's basically um, telling him to anoint Elisha because Elijah decided that he didn't want to be God's prophet anymore. He wanted to go to heaven. So his replacement, God was telling him to. This guy by the name of El Elisha, anoint him in your stead. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. So God had anointed a king and Noah anointed a prophet to come against the people that were evil in those days. And that's why he set it, setting up this hierarchy that if they escape the king, they won't escape the prophet. So Elijah, he said, the verses uh, 18, he says, yet I have left me seven, This, um, you know, Elijah was actually complaining that he's the only prophet that was left back because they had killed them all. But God was actually educating him in verses 18. And he says, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which had not kissed him. And verses 90 says, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Snap of Shaphat, who was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. 
and Elijah passed by and cast his mantle upon him. He cast his mantle upon him. So, you know, Elijah, this is one another thing that you have to be very, very aware of. He cast his mantle upon him. And Elijah, I mean, there was something that why, there's a particular reason why God chose Elijah. This was a man, even though he was, uh, was farming, he had a passion, he had a hunger for God. Look what he did. And this is why, this is why when you want to be anointed, you have to be hungry and thirsty and zealous for the things of God. Because the anointing is an amazing thing. He says, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? This is Elijah saying to him, for what have I done to thee? Because walking as an anointed um, person, especially in levels like that, it's not an easy thing. This is why we're talking about being prepared. He said, for what have I done to thee, the great Elijah? That man that God used so mightily was actually saying, what have I done to thee? But Elijah was very steadfast and he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave them unto the people and they did eat. So he went back and served his people first. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him and ministered unto him. Now this year is very important. When God called me into ministry and said we were going to be pastoring and so forth, the first thing the Lord did was send us to other churches to serve. This was a number of years now. And we actually worked in several different ministries, um, whatever they asked us to do. Once they were following Jesus, we are in. We'll help them. And we serve them. And this is one of the things that, you know, any person that desires to be anointed, even if the Lord has called you, you have to serve in a limited capacity in the beginning especially under another um, anointed person. And that's what um, that ministered unto him, meaning attended to his needs, attended to his needs. That's what um, Elisha did for Elisha, right? So you're not going to just get up the first day and go raise the dead and go speak to large crowds. Every now and then you might see this happen. That's not to um, say that we can understand the pattern of God, but in a general sense, you know, there are certain things that is God's divine will and he will call a person and he will put a grace on them and they have no context like we saw in Saul's case. But in a general sense, that's not the way, that's not the pattern. The pattern is that you would grow incrementally in knowledge and in wisdom. And that's the one that we must um Pursue. Now let's go to 2 Kings 2, 1 to 5. 2 Kings 2, I will read from actually 1 to 15. It's a long read, but I'm going to do it really quick. Listen, you guys want the anointing? We want, we, I want the anointing, right? So, and if you're going to be a student and then you go to class, you see why everybody don't want to be chasing a, a PhD like Stephanie? or um, become a medical doctor because they can't sit down that long and study. If you, if you can't quiet your physical body, quiet your mind, this oil that we talk about called the anointing, it's not going to flow on you. You, you. you have to put your body under. You have to quiet your soul and become a student. So if you think that sitting in church is... Um, I can understand if, if it's a regular service, okay? 
and there is um, nothing there really impactful. But if it's a situation where God is empowering you, let let your legs burn, let them burn. Okay, squirm in your seat a little bit, get up, stand up, drink a little bit of water, and sit down. This is all you. This is all that anointing comes on you. This is that wisdom that we need. We all need. It's from the Word of God. It's not from me. All right. So let's read Second Two, Second Kings, two one to fifteen. And look at what it says here. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah unto heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So this guy, Elisha, has been following this prophet Elijah for a while now. And this Elijah is not an easy man to serve. He's not very necessarily have the most cultured um, personality. I mean, the way he put the, the mantle on him, he just threw the mantle on him. Like, number one, like, why do you? Why couldn't you come and just place it on my neck in a respectful way? Why did you have to throw it? You could, you know, it could have um, knocked my eyes, for example. So you see, so if Elisha was um, was easily offended, he would have taken that mantle off of his uh, head and throw that thing back over it and say, uh, you know, I probably take that um, call and, and say, go get him. So, you know, it's not convenient. But that's the point I'm making. It's not convenient. You're going to go through a little bit of um, discomfort in pursuing that anointing. But if it's important to you, just like when these athletes want to win a championship, they go through rigorous training, sometimes breaking a leg, breaking an ankle, and they go. Is it a worthy um, desire? Then you pay the price for it. And it's the same thing with the anointing. It's the same thing with spiritual things. They are not going to be um, coming your way in um, comfort. You have to go after it. Verses 2. And, and Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee. So this is the day that Elisha, Elisha's prayer to God is being answered. And God said, I'm going to take him, take you home today. God was going to take him, take him home supernaturally. And this is what he did. He, he's trying to leave his understudy behind. The person that said, I want the anointing. He's trying to take off and not let him know. And he's trying to ditch him in, in um, layman's term. Uh, chapter 2, Elijah said unto Elijah, tarry here. He's saying, stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. You see this? Elijah was learning a few things. As he was ministering to Elijah, he was picking up spiritual things. And he go, he picked up in the spirit, not with his physical eyes. He, he, he picked up in the spirit that today God had communicated to Elijah that this is the day you're going to be taken. And you know what Elijah did? He had so much spiritual um, understanding by that time. He heard. And he was like, nope, wherever you go today, I'm coming. Verses 3. And the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel came forth to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. In other words, Shut up. I know. Don't get in between me and this mantle. I've worked so hard for it, for it. And Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here. I pray thee, for the Lord had sent me to Jericho. He's saying that I'm going to somewhere, I'm going somewhere else. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave. So they came to Jericho. And, and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came into came to Elijah. You see, so many prophets were in Israel at that time. Sons of the prophets. How come? None of them was like, we're following Elisha. 
Elijah? How, how come they were not pursuing him since he was going to be taken up? You see, they had no desire for the, that level of the anointing. They're spectators. How is it that God chose a layman for that level of the anointing rather than one of them? Church attenders. No real spiritual hunger. And they were of the lineage of the Levites. But no fire, no desire. And God called a, a, a stranger from nowhere. This is why God is calling us. You see why the Lord is calling us? Because some of those folks that have been doing God's business, they're like the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas. They're undertaking all different kind of ungodly things. And God is calling regular folks out of the work world and anointing them. This is where we are. We are the chosen people. Praise God. And the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. You ain't telling me nothing that I don't know. You think I've been following this man and I'm still blind? That's what he's saying to them. And verses 6, And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, here I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they, and they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and, and the two stood by Jordan. My God. See? Am I lying? They're not. They, they're spectators. They're watching the game from the sidelines rather than get down into the arena. They should have had the um, hunger and the desire for that type of mantle and um, helping Elijah whenever they, they wanted. They could. So that mantle should, could come on them. And Elijah took his mantle. And look at what this mantle can do now. This anointing. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and hither. So that they went all over on dry ground. You see the empowerment? You see, you know, the whole idea of um, bringing people to Jesus Christ was not for us to get into intellectual, spiritual conversation with them. No. Religion. That is religion. Look what he did. He took the mantle and he smote the waters and they were divided hither and hither so that they too went over on dry ground. Can you imagine if you took your mantle and did that? How many believers would you have in 2020 and 2021? How many people would now accept Jesus Christ? If you did something in the similar queue or not even close to that. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elijah, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. He said, you know what? You have proven yourself worthy. You have, you have um, put up with all of the inconveniences. And at least I, you deserve to make your request, your request known. And Elijah said, I pray thee, look at this now. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. A double portion. Not only is it that he wants the mantle, he wants two times. He said, you know, for all of those times that you insulted me and all of those times that, that you, um, you know, had me do extra work and so forth like that. It's worth two times what you have. Well, you pray now because you're a prophet of God. You talk to God and tell him that is two times the amount that I want. Because, and he's not joking. He's not presumptuously um, doing this. Thing. He paid the price. And he's saying, this is what I have done. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. So let's see if God really approve of this Elijah. Remember, God is the one who chose him in the original. So God knew something special about this man, even though the sons of the prophet would think that 
this guy is just a farmer. He's like, um, not one of us. And it came to pass as they went on and thought that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Talk about supernatural. Whoa. And Elijah saw it and he cried. He was attached to his father by this. He was attached to Elijah. You know, he might have ill-treated him, but he loved him anyways. What a guy, eh? This is, this is the characteristic traits that we need to have these, this day and age. Things don't necessarily have to be perfect, but we can still love. And Elijah saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He was familiar with the supernatural by now. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He was mourning for, his, for him. But verses 13, he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Did he not say, if you see me when I'm taken, it shall be granted unto you? So you see, that's why the mantle fell on him. And he took the mantle of Elijah and fell, that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. We have a new anointed man of God. Isn't that amazing? And look at look at the spectators now. Hello, the spectators, the the um, people that are currently in church, skipping through the Bible and um, speaking from their head. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, they saw him. Hello, I don't know if they saw when the waters uh, parted, but this is when they know. They say the spirit of Elijah. When they saw him, they said, the spirit of Elisha doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. You see, we are not, we have not been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been telling it. Jesus taught as one having authority. Oh, God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing all good. Healing. Raising the dead. Opening blind eyes. And here we are. Tell, fearful about weaknessing to people on the street. Timid. Not, no, listen, not for us in this ministry, in Evans Lighthouse ministry. Yes, there are many other ministries that are um, doing the way it should be done. But hello, we are going after the anointing. So when we go on the street and we see someone who is hobbling because they have a broken foot, we're not going to say, do you believe in Jesus necessarily say? Do you want healing now by the leading of the spirit? And you pray for that person, they get healed. Now we preach the gospel to them. Are, are the gifts, the supernatural wisdom that we spoke about, are the words of knowledge that we spoke about in the earlier teachings are being manifested in you? The Being done the proper way. But, you know, in Luke 2, 41 to 52, it talks about, I'm not going to go into that scripture, but I'll just give a general. It talks about, oh, Jesus, when he was, I think he was 12 years old, and he went down to Israel with his um, parents, and he was so caught up in the temple, um, having conversations with the Pharisees and learning and so forth, that even after they left, <laughs> it was a large company of them, Jesus was left there. And did not, they, they did not know until after two days. And then they went back and looked to look for him. And when they found him, and they said, why did you do this? And he said, no, not that I must be about my father's business. 
He was he had so much hunger and thirst for the things of God that he was a student there that he didn't think in a two-day period that he was even supposed to go visit his parents. And he stayed there and was learning. But the Bible says that after that, he went down back with them to their home and he was subjected unto them. That means he never rebelled against their authority. It was not his timing. There was a time was going to come where he was going to be anointed. But no, he was in the classroom. He was being a student. And he had to be an attentive student, not just any student. In a classroom of 20, in any field. People have different desires and different talents and different abilities. But not everybody come, come out and they're successful in their own area. And that's because the attentiveness, the discipline, we see different results based on the desire and the discipline that people will actually put into that lesson. And it's the same thing spiritually. We have to be good students. And we have to hunger and thirst and desire for this thing. Not because it's convenient. That's what it takes to save a generation. That's what it takes to, um, for your family that you've been struggling with for so long to come to salvation in Christ Jesus. And it's this anointing that will cause that to happen. So God is calling people to desire this anointing, to hunger for this anointing, hunger for this power, and to hunger for the knowledge that is associated with it. And if you do that, the anointing will come on you gradually. And you will be able to do different, progressively, different levels of signs, wonders, and miracles will, be, will happen through your ministry and through your life. And many souls, will, many, many names will be written in the book of life. That's why we're doing it. We're not doing it because it gives us, you know, we see Superman movies on TV or the Hulk or the Avengers. And we see, you know, we go, I can be like that. So that's why I want the anointing. So when I walk around, people, they just hit the floor and they wake up, uh, get up healed. That's not it. Sometimes I lay hands on, pe on people and they actually fall to the floor. But they, you know why they fall to the floor? Sometimes, sometimes people don't understand that. You know, if you're, when you're standing on your feet, you're in a conscious place, okay? You're, you're very conscious. It's sometimes hard for you to receive spiritual um, things in that state. So sometimes what the Lord does basically is he just his power just pause your um, intellect, your mind. So you can see spiritually. That's why a lot of times when you see people fall on the floor, they see visions. They don't have to worry about they're going to fall over. So it's better when they're, when they're laid out. When the power of God comes, it, it, it sometimes knocks you to the floor. And you lay there in that state. And you, you can see through eyes. They will get up off the floor and tell you what they saw. But meanwhile, their, their eyes were closed when they were laying down. How is it? In that quiet place, you can hear spiritually. You can see spiritually. So this is um, the message in a nutshell this morning. The anointing of God. But the anointing. Package all of these lessons together. Don't ignore any point, any one of them. Or when you pray from the improper position, you won't see the answered prayers. So I hope that message bless you this morning. And I, I hope it get you in a posture of being a student at the feet of Jesus Christ.
a student of the word of God. And I hope also that you develop desire and hunger and thirst for the things of God more than the material world. So, Father, I thank you this morning and I pray, oh Lord, now, oh Lord Jesus, that this message would open your people, oh Lord God, to the plans and the purposes that you have, you have for their lives, oh Lord God. And I pray that you would give them by your spirit an attitude of expectancy, oh Lord God, a desire and a hunger and a thirst for the anointing, for the empowerment that will cause them to go and change their family and their communities, oh Lord Jesus. I pray you bless them this morning, increase them in wisdom and in knowledge, spiritual knowledge and understanding, oh Lord God, that these principles that you have laid out in your word, oh Lord God, are for our benefit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Let the revelation of this message by your unction come to your people this morning. I bless each and every one, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Um, while Andrade was um, sharing the word, um, after a little bit, I noticed that it was the wisdom that was coming through him was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So I was here just trying to jot down notes and everything because it was, to me, it was so rich. And um, what I'm taking away from this is he was talking about the anointing and the empowerment, which is the ability to do. And also that the anointing, what it does, it also turns you into another. And I just want to share just a quick um, testimony of something that happened to me at work. Um, it was a Sunday night and um, I had a dream about the owner of the company, the CEO. And then I just pulled the sheets over my head when I woke up because I knew exactly what the Lord wanted me to do. And I'm like, okay, really God, really? And then what happened because I work part-time now. So what happened? I didn't go into work until Wednesday. So I, I totally forgot about everything. So anyway, I went in and just because of COVID and what is happening now, there is, um, we have to you know, be separated and stuff like that. So that day in particular, I was supposed to work downstairs. And this is what he was even talking about, the anointing and how it even makes room for you sometimes. I was supposed to work downstairs. And then they're like, okay, you can go upstairs in the resort room because there was too much of us on the floor at the time. So I went upstairs and the upstairs is where the CEO is. And it just so happened we're on the same floor. And then right away, as I sat down to work, uh, the dream came back to me and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll do it, but just give me some time. And I was just praying the how, the when, what this will look like, because what happened at our workplace, there is uh, supervisors, there's managers, and then the CEO. There's never a reason that we would need to go speak to the CEO. So I really just never goes, go, go there. So anyway, like our offices were a little bit, uh, maybe two doors down. And then I was there and I was only there from nine until 12. And then now it's 12 o'clock. The whole time I was just there trying to be not really disobedient, but just to figure it out, like, how is this going to go? So anyway, I'm like, okay, God, it's lunchtime. Grab my bag, went down to my car and everything. And I just decided that I would just eat outside because it was just so much because the lunchroom also was very close to his office. So I decided to go all the way to eat in my car downstairs. And then as I started, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, right now, put away your lunch and go do what I told you to do right now. 
So in obedience, I did all of that. And then I went up there and I'm like, okay, it's lunchtime. There's no way he'll be in his office. Yeah, he was there. So I went in and I said, can I have a word with you? And um, because of the policies and so forth and what we stand for, like this, what I was about to say could even put my position in jeopardy. But at the same time, I didn't care because the Lord, as Andrade spoke to you this morning about what it is, what it is like when the Lord put a word in your heart. And I just felt that I had to deliver it comes what may, whatever risk it was that I had to deliver that message. So anyway, I told them the dream and um, it seemed like at the same time, God has prepared his heart for what I was about to say. And I, I told him that, and it's like the Lord had said to me, just pray over him, pray over like his personal life because maybe he has been speaking to him. But I was saying, I doubt it because of what, you know, certain things. Anyway, leave that part alone. And then it's kind of like, I came out of my body. It's like I wasn't in my conscious mind because normally I'm not the kind of person to do something like that, to be bold. But the, the Holy Spirit is like the anointing just came over me. And all I could do was see my mouth moving, hear my words, but it wasn't me. It was like God speaking through me. And I could hear the words, but it was my voice, but it wasn't me. And the prayer that went for it. And then I just, it was, I was, I started to pray and pray and intercede over him, over his life. And a lot of things that was going on that I didn't even know that the Holy Spirit prayed through me about his life. And then all I can remember minutes went by. I don't even know how long it was, but it was a little bit. And um, after that, when I came to my senses, no one didn't like I could when I heard myself praying, and I'm like, okay, I guess this is it because the Holy Spirit lifted. I just said, okay, amen. And then I was grabbing my purse because I'm like, okay, what just happened? And then, then when I opened my eyes, he was crying and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? And then I, 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 he was reaching out and then he was saying, thank you so much. I needed that. I didn't even hear the words that he was saying because it's like, what just happened? I grabbed my purse, went downstairs to finish my work. And then he sent this email about how grateful he was for that prayer. And he needed that at that particular time because I guess certain things were going on at the company and he just needed that strength and even um, just forgot to introduce himself to him. And then I saw the email and even one of my coworkers, she's on the pulpit and then I had her read the email so she can attest to that. But it was just so beautiful when Andrade was saying, the empowerment is the ability to do. So the anointing, it just gave me that ability to do and it turned me into another person because within myself, that's something that I wouldn't do. So I'm just sharing this so it will encourage yourselves. And I just give this. Amen. Oh, well, that is a, that, that is a classic example of the anointing, yeah. right? The ability to do, classic example. And, uh, you know, that's what the Lord wants to um, happen, not only from a ministerial capacity, but even for your personal breakthrough and, and um, in, even in your profession, your profession or whatever area it is. That anointing can speak on your behalf and give you a breakthrough, yeah. right? So, awesome. So, we, at this point, we will uh, open up for those who need prayer. Can type your prayer request. Don't be shy. Yeah. 